What's happening, food eaters? This is the Food Labels Revealed podcast with your host, Mel Weinstein, personally dubbed the self-professed prophet of processed foods. A new episode is released at the end of every month. This is episode number 42. In today's show, you'll once again get to test your knowledge of processed foods. There will be a quiz, but don't panic. Don't get nervous. Don't bail out on me. What's the worst thing that could happen? As Alfred E. Newman likes to say, not to worry. It's all for fun and education. After all, with this quiz, you you won't have to turn a paper in. You'll be able to score it yourself. And if you do poorly, your parents won't be getting a note from me. Now, for you new listeners, you might be feeling ill-prepared. I know it's unlikely that you're going to go back and listen to the previous nine episodes. So just relax, sit back, and consider this quiz as just a learning opportunity. All right, here's a a wee bit about myself and my background. Uh, I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and chemical research. And for many years, I've had a fascination, some may call it an obsession, with the processed foods we eat, what constitutes those foods, and what they could be doing to our health. Because of my many working years in the food ingredient industry, I also bring to the table some inside information on this subject. To my knowledge, this is the only podcast that is dedicated to looking behind the processed food curtain at all of those strange and unusual ingredients that populate many of the foods on our grocery store shelves. This is a 100% guaranteed free podcast. It won't cost you a penny and I won't beg for money. There are no sponsors or financial supporters. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and I refuse to help promote any business, commercial product, or organization. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you are informed, educated, maybe entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. Okay, let's get the show going. Episode 15 introduced the first food ingredient quiz. I was shocked to find out how popular that show was. At the time, it was the fourth most popular one in the series, but now it's the 11th. In episode 24, the second food ingredient quiz was given, and it's currently the second most popular show, Who'd a Thunk? I figured that listeners would shrink away from taking a test, but I was obviously wrong. Today, I'm going to ask you 20 multiple-choice questions based upon what I've talked about in the previous episodes from number 33 to 41. I'll read each question twice, provide the answer, and then give a commentary. If you're not familiar with the topics addressed in these questions, just do the best you can. Okay, food eaters. Get your physical or mental pens ready. It's time to poke your brains. If you're doing something dangerous like steering a nuclear sub or involved in a spacewalk, just keep track of the right answers by folding your fingers and toes. 
First question from episode number 33 on fast food restaurants. In the Rodeo King Burger from Burger King, I discovered four new ingredients that had never before been discussed on the podcast. One of them was calcium, disodium, ethylene, diamine, tetraacetic acid. Every chemist loves to say that name. What function does that chemical serve? A. It acts as a buffer to maintain a specific pH range. B. It's a preservative. C. It's a flavoring agent to make the burger taste better. And D. It holds the burger together. All right, so I'll read that uh, again from episode number 33 on fast food restaurants. In the Radio King Burger from Burger King, I discovered four new ingredients that had never before been discussed on the podcast. One of them was calcium, disodium, ethylene, diamine, tetraacetic acid. Every chemist loves to say that name. What function does that chemical serve? A. It acts as a buffer to maintain a specific pH range. B. It's a preservative. C. It's a flavoring agent to make the burger taste better. D. It holds the burger together. The right answer is B. Uh, a preservative. It prevents crystal formation and retards color loss. It is on the FDA priority list to be studied for mutagenic, teratogenic, and subacute reproductive effects. Next, question number two. This is again from episode number 33. Another new ingredient in the Rodeo King burger was hydroxypropyl methyl cellulose. What function does it serve? A. It's a filler. B. It provides a brown color. C. It's an emulsifier. D. It's an artificial sweetener. Repeating. Again, from episode number 33, another new ingredient in the Rodeo King burger was hydroxypropyl methyl cellulose. What function does it serve? A. It's a filler. B. It provides a brown color. C. It's an emulsifier. D. It's an artificial sweetener. The correct answer is C. An emulsifier. This chemical, derived from wood pulp, keeps oily and watery parts from separating out. All right, question number three. We're still on episode number 33. The Hardee's Monster Burger was highlighted. It had a bit of fat in it. The daily recommended maximum intake for fat is 65 grams. Guess how much fat was in the Hardee's Monster Burger? A, 20 grams. B, 45 grams, C, 70 grams, D, 90 grams. Reading that one again from episode number 33, the Hardee's Monster Burger was highlighted. It had a bit of fat in it. The daily recommended maximum intake for fat is 65 grams. Guess how much fat was in this burger? A, 20 grams, B, 45 grams, C, 70 grams, D, 90 grams. The answer is D, 90 grams. Yes, this sandwich had a whopping 90 grams of fat in it. 
So eating this one sandwich provides 138% of the daily recommended amount. Watch out, coronary arteries. Question number four. Okay, here's the final question from episode number 33. The Panera Bread Company has a reputation for serving healthier fast food. Is it deserved? One of their items is the barbecue chicken mac and cheese bowl. You would expect that simple, wholesome meal would have a short list of ingredients. This is not the case for this Panera entree. Guess how many ingredients are in this mac and cheese dish? A. 25 B. 51 C. 77 D. 93 Repeating the question. Final one from episode number 33. The Panera Bread Company has a reputation for serving healthier fast food. Is that reputation deserved? One of their items is the barbecue chicken mac and cheese bowl. You would expect that simple, wholesome meal would have a short list of ingredients. This is not the case with this Panera entree. Guess how many ingredients are in this mac and cheese dish? A. 25 B. 51 C. 77 D. 93 If you said C. 77 you were absolutely correct. It's hard to wrap your head around the fact that there are 77 components in that food bowl, and 50 out of the 77 ingredients are unique. That is, no duplicates. Imagine trying to make that meal in your kitchen. Number five. Some food news was presented in episode number 34, in an article in the American Journal of Pathology, the toxic chemical diacetyl was described. This chemical is harmful when inhaled. It affects the lungs of factory workers who handle the chemical. The lungs become scarred and restricted when the chemical gets into the smallest airways, the alveoli. The resulting disease can become life-threatening and untreatable. What common grocery store food is this chemical found in? A. Hot dogs. B. Microwave popcorn. C. Frozen pizza. D. Corn-based cereal. Repeating that one. Some food news was presented in episode number 34. In an article in the American Journal of Pathology, the toxic chemical diacetyl was described. This chemical is harmful when inhaled. Uh, it affects the lungs of factory workers who handle the chemical. The lungs become scarred and restricted when it gets into the smallest airways, the alveoli. The resulting disease can become life-threatening and untreatable. What common grocery store food is this chemical found in? A hot dogs, B, microwave popcorn, C, frozen pizza, D, corn-based cereal. Did you pick answer B, microwave popcorn? That's absolutely right. That familiar buttery smell that fills your lungs and makes you crave that snack is actually coming from the synthetic chemical diacetyl. Question number six. Again from episode number 34, 
A report from Fox News revealed that common cereals have an ingredient not listed on the label that can be harmful to children. Guess what that hidden ingredient is? A. Roundup Ready Glyphosate B. Arsenic C. Lead D. Nitrates Repeating the question. Again from episode number 34, a report from Fox News revealed that common cereals have an ingredient not listed on the label that can be harmful to children. Guess what that hidden ingredient is? A. Roundup Ready Glyphosate B. Arsenic C. Lead D. Nitrates And the answer is A. Roundup Ready Glyphosate Genetically incorporated in cereal commodities like corn and soy so crops can be safely sprayed with the Roundup Ready herbicide. A study by the Environmental Working Group revealed that 26 of the 28 cereals it tested had measurable levels of glyphosate. These levels were below federal and state standards, which was strongly pointed out by Quaker Oats and General Mills. In 2015, the World Health Organization said that glyphosate is a probable carcinogen, but it's not likely to be harmful at the levels found in cereals. For now, we just have to trust that that's true. Question number seven. From episode number 36 entitled, Are Kids Cereals Just Cookies in Disguise? I talked about the amounts of sugar found in kids' cereals. It's not surprising that these cereals have more sugar than the adult cereals. How much more would you guess? A. 10% more. B. 25% more. C. 40% more. D. 55% more. Repeating the question. Uh, from episode number 36, entitled, Are Kids Cereals Just Cookies in Disguise? I talked about the amounts of sugar found in kids' cereals. It's not surprising that they have more sugar uh, than adult cereals. How much more would you guess? A, 10% more. B, 25% more. C, 40% more. D, 55% more. The correct answer is C, 40% more. Most kids get prime with sugar very early in life and, like me, wind up facing a lifetime of cravings for sugary foods. Question number eight. In episode number 36, I looked at the sugar content of 10 popular cold cereals. Which of the four cereals mentioned below do you think contained the most sugar? A. Kellogg's Corn Flakes. B. General Mills Cheerios Oat Crunch Cinnamon. C. Kellogg's Raisin Bran Crunch. D. Post Nutter Butter. Repeating the question. In episode number 36, I looked at, this, at the sugar content of 10 popular cold cereals. Which of the four cereals mentioned below do you think contained the most sugar? A. Kellogg's Corn Flakes B. General Mills Cheerios Oat Crunch Cinnamon C. Kellogg's Raisin Bran Crunch D. Post 
Nutter Butter. If you said D, right on. The Post Nutter Butter cereal has 38% sugar by weight. Over a third of the cereal is sugar. By the way, the least sweet cereal in the list of answers was Kellogg's Corn Flakes at 11% sugar. Question number 9. This is from episode number 37 called Pizza Chains. Uh, I compared the ingredients and nutrition of Pizza Hut, Domino's, and Papa Murphy's. To make things fair, I just evaluated a simple pepperoni pizza from each establishment. Which restaurant offered up the most cholesterol in its pizza? A. Pizza Hut. B. Domino's. C. Papa Murphy's. D. They were all the same. Repeating question number nine. From episode 37 called Pizza Chains, I compared the ingredients and nutrition of Pizza Hut, Domino's, and Papa Murphy's. To make things fair, I just evaluated a simple pepperoni pizza from each establishment. Which restaurant offered up the most cholesterol in its pizza? A. Pizza Hut. B. Domino's. C. Papa Murphy's. D. They were all the same. The answer is... C. Papa Murphy's, which has 35 milligrams of cholesterol per slice, which represents about 12% of the recommended daily consumption. Going on to question 10. This is also from episode number 37. I talked about the fiber content in those restaurant pizzas. Sufficient fiber is essential for healthy digestion, elimination, and the prevention of gut diseases like irritable bowel syndrome. The recommended daily amount of fiber is a minimum of 25 grams, with some nutrition experts suggesting up to 40 grams per day. Which restaurant chain provided a decent 5 grams of fiber in a single slice of their pizza? A. Pizza Hut. B. Domino's. C. Papa Murphy's. D. None of them did. Repeating question number 10. So, again from uh, episode number 37, I talked about the fiber content in those restaurant pizzas. Sufficient fiber is essential for healthy digestion, elimination, and the prevention of gut diseases like irritable bowel syndrome. The recommended daily amount of fiber is a minimum of 25 grams, with some nutrition experts suggesting up to 40 grams. Which restaurant chain provided a decent 5 grams of fiber in a single slice of their pizza? A. Pizza Hut. B. Domino's. C. Papa Murphy's. D. None of them did. Well, did you choose D? That was the answer. None of them. The dismal fiber content for their pizzas ranged from 0 to 2 grams per slice, showing us that fast food pizza is not an intestinal-friendly food. All right, question number 11. In episode number 38, entitled Battle of the Fake Burgers, I addressed the new plant-based burgers, the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burger, which are becoming increasingly available in fast food restaurants. There was a genetically engineered ingredient in the Impossible Burger that was never seen before in a commercial food product. Out of these four Impossible Burger ingredients, 
Which one was the newcomer? A. Potato protein. B. Leg hemoglobin. C. Methyl cellulose. D. Cultured dextrose. Again, repeating number 11. In episode number 38, Battle of the Fake Burgers, I addressed the new plant-based burgers, the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burger, which are becoming increasingly available in fast food restaurants. There was a genetically engineered ingredient in the Impossible Burger that was never seen before in a commercial food product. Out of these four Impossible Burger ingredients, which one was the newcomer? A. Potato protein. B. Leg hemoglobin. C. Methyl cellulose. D. Cultured dextrose. The correct answer is B. Leg hemoglobin. Obtained from a fermentation process using a bioengineered yeast, leg hemoglobin mimics the bloody appearance of a beef burger. Question number 12. The Impossible Burger was designed to mirror the nutritional profile of a beef-based burger, like the Whopper. The two burgers are very close in most respects, but there is one nutrient or property which has a significantly lower level in the Impossible Burger. Which one is it? A. Cholesterol. B. Calories. C. Protein. D. Sugar. Repeating question 12. The Impossible Burger was designed to mirror the nutritional profile of a beef-based burger like the Whopper. The two burgers are very close in most respects, but there is one nutrient or property which has a significantly lower level in the Impossible Burger. Which one is it? A. Cholesterol. B. Calories. C. Protein. D. Sugar. And the answer is A. Cholesterol, of course. Since cholesterol only comes from animal-based products, there is no cholesterol, zero milligrams, in the Impossible Burger, compared to the 10 milligrams in the Whopper. As an aside, it's worth noting, though, that the Impossible Burger has significantly more sodium in it, about 27 percent more. Question number 13. The Beyond Burger, like the Impossible Burger, must pack a protein punch if it wants to compete with beef burgers. What is the source of the protein in the Beyond Burger? A. Soy protein. B. Rice protein. C. Pea protein. D. Wheat protein. Again for question 13. The Beyond Burger, like the Impossible Burger, must pack a protein punch if it wants to compete with beef burgers. What is the source of the protein in the Beyond Burger? A. Soy protein. B. Rice protein. C. Pea protein. D. Wheat protein. The answer for this one is C. Pea protein. By some unknown process, pea protein is extracted from peas and turned into a powder. All right, question 14 is next. Episode number 40 dealt with hidden ingredients in raw chicken. A toxic chemical used to be added to chicken feed 
to improve muscle growth, fend off disease, and make the meat pinker. Finally, by 2014, the FDA banned the use of this toxic chemical in chicken feed. What was the toxin? A. Strychnine B. Arsenic compound C. A lead compound D. A mercury compound Okay, again, for question 14, episode number 40 dealt with hidden ingredients in raw chicken. A toxic chemical used to be added to chicken feed to improve muscle growth, fend off disease, and make the meat pinker. Finally, by 2014, the FDA banned the use of this toxic chemical in chicken feed. What was the toxin? A. Strychnine. B. An arsenic compound. C. A lead compound. D. A mercury compound. And the correct answer is B. An arsenic compound. The practice of adding the arsenic-containing drug Roxerzone, I probably didn't say that right, uh, made by Pfizer, eventually became standard protocol in the United States, and by 2010, 88% of all chickens raised for meat production in the United States were consuming the drug in their feed. Did you consume arsenic when eating chicken prior to 2014? Who knows? Uh, arsenic is a carcinogen that is also associated with heart disease, type 2 diabetes, cognitive impairment, and problems in pregnancy. All right, question number 15. Another hidden ingredient in raw chicken is water. When you buy chicken in the grocery store, you are paying for a whole lot of water. Not only is there natural water present in the chicken body or parts, but more water gets absorbed during the slaughtering process. Guess what the approximate total percentage of water would be? A, 29%, B, 44%, C, 76%, D, 91%. Repeating number 15, another hidden ingredient in raw chicken is water. When you buy chicken in the grocery store, you are paying for a whole lot of water. Not only is there natural water present in the chicken body or parts, but more water gets absorbed during the slaughtering process. Guess what the approximate total percentage of water would be? A, 29%. B, 44%. C, 76%. D, 91%. Now, if you said the answer was C, 76%, right on. Yes, when you eat chicken, you're only consuming about 24% of the chicken as meat. Question number 16. Ever since the 1940s, chickens have been given antibiotics. Of course, an obvious reason was to prevent or treat communicable diseases. But there was a second equally important reason. When the chicken's guts were healthy, they gained more weight from the same amount of feed, making them more profitable. But today, we know that routinely giving livestock antibiotics makes the medicines less effective over time for both animals and humans. Guess what percentage of all antibiotic production uh, was given to livestock 
in the United States? A, 20%, B, 40%, C, 60%, D, 80%. Repeating question 16. Ever since the 1940s, chickens have been given antibiotics. Of course, an obvious reason was to prevent or treat communicable diseases, but there was a second equally important reason. When the chickens' guts were healthy, they gained more weight from the same amount of food they were given or feed, making them more profitable. But today, we know that routinely giving livestock antibiotics makes the medicines less effective over time for both animals and humans. Guess what percentage of all antibiotic production were, was given to livestock in the United States? A. 20%, B. 40%, C. 60%, D. 80%. Well, the correct answer here is D. 80%. The chicken industry claims that most antibiotics used by humans were phased out by 2016. I don't know how true that was. Question number 17. Episode 41 brought me back to fast food where I compared two well-known fried chicken restaurants, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. I chose a basic fried chicken dinner consisting of three pieces of chicken, mashed potatoes with gravy, and a biscuit. In the reviews of fast food restaurants, I'm interested in seeing how many processed ingredients, you know, that is, read that as factory made, are used in their products. For the Kentucky Fried Chicken meal, guess the percentage of processed ingredients. A, 23%, B, 38%, C, 47%, D, 65%. Repeating question 17. Episode 41 brought me back to fast food, where I compared two well-known fried chicken restaurants, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. I chose a basic Fried chicken dinner consisting of three pieces of chicken, mashed potatoes with gravy, and a biscuit. In the reviews of fast food restaurants, I'm interested in seeing how many processed ingredients, that is factory made ingredients, are used in these products. For the Kentucky Fried Chicken Meal, guess the percentage of processed ingredients. A, 23%. B, 38%, C, 47%, D, 65%. The correct answer, D, 65%. Yeah, two-thirds of the chicken dinner is composed of processed and ultra-processed ingredients, uh, which validates my hypothesis that eating in fast food restaurants is no better than eating heavily processed foods found in grocery or convenience stores. Question 18. Americans love their fatty foods, and it's no surprise that the Kentucky Fried Chicken meal had a good deal of fat in it. Guess how many grams of fat were actually in it. A, 26 grams. B, 49 grams. C, 60 grams. D, 77 grams. 
Okay, repeating question 18. Americans love their fatty foods. It's no surprise that Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, in its meal had a good deal of fat in it. Guess how many grams of fat were actually in it? A, 26 grams. B, 49 grams. C, 60 grams. D, 77 grams. Well, if you said 60 grams, that was just great. There's only 5 grams less than the daily recommended amount of fat on a 2,000-calorie diet. If you're watching your weight, that's the only meal you could afford to eat that day. Question number 19. Looking at the Popeye's fried chicken meal, one particular concern that stood out was the sodium content. Guess how many milligrams of sodium were in the Popeye's meal? A. 1,510 milligrams. B. 3,355 milligrams. C. 4,311 milligrams. D. 5,127 milligrams. Uh, repeating question 19. Looking at the Popeye's fried chicken meal, one particular concern that stood out was the sodium content. Guess how many milligrams of sodium were in the Popeye's meal? A. 1,510 milligrams. B. 3,355 milligrams. C. 4,311 milligrams. D. 5,127 milligrams. And the correct answer is B, 3,355 milligrams. If you have hypertension or heart disease, you should think twice about eating at Popeye's. That amount of sodium is 140% of the daily recommended dose. All right, the last question, number 20. Episode number 34 was a news show where I covered some food-related articles. I summarized a Healthline article entitled, Why Dining Out Can Increase Your Exposure to Hormone-Disrupting Chemicals. What class of compounds found in foods can be classified as hormone-disrupting chemicals? A. Phthalates. B. Lectins. C. Trans fats. D. Preservatives like BHA or BHT. Repeating question 20. Episode number 34 was a new show where I covered some food-related articles. I summarized a Healthline article entitled, Why Dining Out Can Increase Your Exposure to Hormone-Disrupting Chemicals. What class of compounds found in foods can be uh, hormone-disrupting chemicals? A. Phthalates. B. Lectins. C. Trans fats. D. Preservatives like BHA or BHT. Well, the correct answer here is B. Phthalates. Phthalates may interfere with the body's endocrine system, producing adverse developmental, reproductive, neurological, and immune effects in humans and animals. Teens are particularly susceptible since they eat out more frequently in fast food places. They had 55% higher endocrine disruptors compared with peers who ate at home. Okay, 
everyone. Uh, go ahead and tally up your score by dividing the right answers by 20 and multiplying by 100. If you got 93 to 100%, give yourself a high five. You are a food ingredient genius and should be teaching a course on the subject. You did great. Now, if you got nine, uh, if you got 87 to 92, that's a darn good score and you're entitled to some bragging rights. A score between 73 and 86% is decent and shows that you're pretty knowledgeable about food ingredients and processed foods. If you scored between 53 and 72%, you could use some improvement. Just hang in there. Continue to listen to the Food Labels Revealed podcast. If you got less than 53%, you may want to listen to the previous shows uh, more than once. Don't worry. You'll do better next time. Well, it's time to close the show. To all the listeners in podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you tuning in. If you have a little bit more time, I'd greatly appreciate a review, good, bad, or indifferent, at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com or just by Googling uh, the title, Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. By the way, this podcast was just recently added to Spotify, which is one of the fastest-growing resources for podcasts. If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's foodlabelsrevealed, all one phrase, at gmail.com. If you think your family, friends, co-workers, or acquaintances might be interested in this podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Several times a week, I post a news item related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast. Please give it a like when you get a chance. For next month, I'm thinking about a show uh, having to do with the dangers of convenience stores. Until later, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called Isolated, composed by Kevin McLeod. Thank you.